I got lost in how beautiful that was and forgot to come up. <laughs> uh, today's scripture reading is from 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 17 from the Common English Bible. Finally, all of you be of one mind, sympathetic, lovers of your fellow believers, compassionate, and modest in your opinion of yourselves. Don't pay back evil for evil or insult for insult. Instead, give blessing in return. You were called to do this so that you might inherit a blessing. For those who want to love life and see good days should keep their tongue from evil speaking and their lips from speaking lies. They should shun evil and do good. Seek peace and chase after it. The Lord's eyes are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord cannot tolerate those who do evil. Who will harm you if you are zealous for good? But happy are you even if you suffer because of righteousness. Don't be terrified or upset by them. Instead, regard Christ as holy in your hearts. Whenever anyone asks you to speak of your hope, be ready to defend it. Yet do this with respectful humility, maintaining a good conscience. Act in this way so that those who malign your good lifestyle in Christ may be ashamed when they slander you. It is better to suffer for doing good, if this could possibly be God's will, than for doing evil. The word of God for the people of God. Thank you, Claire. So as I said at the beginning, this is the third week in our series where we're lifting up the values of our past, and we believe that in doing so, they will position us as we live into the future. They'll help us, these four values, in writing what we believe to be the next chapters of our unfinished story. So, so far we've discussed what it means for us to live into the values of welcome and connection, and this week we're going to talk about the value of compassion. Now, each week we've given you, hopefully, a little puzzle piece so that you can go home and on your refrigerator connect all of these, and at the end you'll have a nice little square, believe it or not. If you've missed a couple of weeks and you want the other ones, we've got a little basket out in the back on the table underneath the television. You can pick up the other ones there so that you'll have all three of your collectible pieces. But if you think about it, in the value of compassion, compassion. I'm reminded of the words of Paul. Paul used these words often in the opening of letters. He said, every time I think of you, I give God thanks for you. And I believe those words are applicable to us because each time I see you show compassion to one another, it causes me to give thanks to God because you are in ministry to each other. You love one another. You show compassion to each other. And that's what a community is supposed to be. It's a vital part of our ministry together, right? And I've learned over the last 19 years that there are often moments where as a pastor you have to have that opportunity, those opportunities come, where you're going to walk with a family that's in need of compassion, particularly in those moments where dying and death comes about, right? It's important moments for the families. It's important moments for the friends of the deceased. But I have also discovered in the last 19 years that the toughest ones to be there for are the ones that are unexpected. When something tragic happens that a family is not anticipating. As an associate pastor at Lee Summit, I had the opportunity to participate in three funerals that were that case. One of them was for a young lady by the name of Rachel. Rachel was a a beautiful young 14-year-old. By all appearances, she was normal, healthy, happy, vibrant, 
excited about life, excited about school, excited about her faith, and she was excited about cross-country. She ran cross-country for her school. During a meet, she passed out and shortly afterward died. The medical examiner discovered that she had an undiagnosed heart defect that was basically a ticking time bomb for her. It just became her time way too early. Another was for a a young boy by the name of Justin. Justin was a a smart, funny eight-year-old. He was one of those happy-go-lucky kids who always had a smile on his face. He was full of life. He enjoyed being outside, and he enjoyed playing. His parents lived on what they thought was probably one of the more quieter streets in, in their suburban community. He's outside playing one day. He was playing ball, and the ball got loose, and he had to chase it into the street only to be hit by a speeding car in their assumed quiet little neighborhood. Justin died from his injuries way too early. I remember having the privilege of officiating a wedding for a young couple. They got married at at Lee Summit. and He was a, a young man who worked for her father. Her father owned a tool and dye business out in Lee Summit. They were grooming him to eventually take over the business. He was the heir apparent. So he was working long, hard hours. And this was one of the sense of, uh, or one of those moments that was kind of conflicting for the two of them, was all the hours that he would put in and how few hours he would spend with her. They thought they had kind of worked through that. They came to their wedding day, stood before God, their family, and their guests, and they pronounced their love for one another, their unending love, and their commitment until death do them part went on their honeymoon. A week later, they returned from their honeymoon, and he went back to work, and things kind of regressed back to the way they had been, working long, hard hours. They got in an argument over it. He went out, got on his motorcycle, left for home. About 2 a.m. in the morning, still furious over what had transpired, he got back on his motorcycle and was riding down 470 at 140 miles an hour, and crashed. Had on full gear, jacket, helmet, all those things, but at 140 miles an hour, that's not enough. Died instantaneously of severe head trauma. Ten days after they were married, they were parted by death. Way too early. While I was at North Star, I had... In the five years that I was there, I only did a half dozen funerals in the whole five years that I was there. Early on, though, in my tenure there, my first six months, I was asked to officiate the memorial service for the son of one of the members of our church. He was also in a motorcycle accident. Young man, 21 years of age. He was doing something he wasn't supposed to do. The police saw him, turned on their lights. He thought rather than stopping and just getting the ticket, he might figure out how to outrun them, and it cost him his life doing it. Ministry has its moments. Has its moments where compassion is needed, and compassion is all that you can offer. Now, let's take a moment. Let's, Let's make sure we understand what we're talking about when we talk about compassion, right? Compassion is defined as sympathetic pity and concern for the suffering 
and the misfortunes of others. It is something that transpires in us that can cause us to either speak to someone or do something to help someone who finds himself at one of those crossroads of life. Compassion. But you know, I've also learned in 19 years of ministry that that not everybody has come to this point in their life where compassion has been needed. At, the, at any point in their life. I, I remember I was preaching about the psalm where the writer asked the question, from where does my help come? And it was a message that was about finding love and compassion, the love and compassion of God in the middle of tough circumstances or devastating circumstances. And, and afterwards, a friend of mine came up and said, she, she said, I loved worship today, but your message was totally irrelevant to me. Because so far, I've lived a charmed life. And I've really never had a moment where compassion or the ministry of compassion has been needed. And I took note of that, right? To note that maybe even amongst us here today, there, there might be that exception where you fit in that category. You've never had to experience the ministry of compassion. But for the other 99.99999% of us, right, we've had moments where in our lives we've needed <coughs> compassion from others. We've needed the ministry of compassion. And, and I'm certain that that's been true here at St. John's. Most of us have a need some form of compassion. It is one of our values. And if it wasn't needed here as a church, then it probably wouldn't be one of our values. Right? And yet we've lived into it. We've had experiences of that. What have been your experiences? When have you needed compassion? Was it during an illness? Or a battle with a disease. You know, I think of people and, and images and names and faces come to mind when I think of that and the ways in which we as a community have surrounded them during those times and we have shown to them the ministry of compassion. I think about the moments where one of us has had a loved one died and all of us have shown up either at their home or at the memorial service and afterwards how we worship together and serve together and how we show the ministry of compassion to one another in those times of grieving. Maybe there was a moment in your life where you had a personal hardship or, or you went through a relationship breakup and someone just came from the church and gave you a hug, surrounded you with compassion and love. Because almost all of us here, we've not lived charmed lives. We've had moments where we have needed compassion, the compassion of the community of faith, and we've been the first ones to demonstrate it to one another. If you look at this week's devotion, I've listed several scriptures for you to read, and I intentionally chose each one of those scriptures because every single one of them has the word compassion in them. Each one of these scriptures involves a moment where Jesus, a moment where the scriptures say that Jesus had compassion. Typically, it's a moment where he comes and he finds a large crowd of people, and in that moment he sees them, he has compassion for them. For some of them, he takes the opportunity to heal. He touches people. He provides healing. That's his response to their moment of need and compassion. A couple of other circumstances, though, he has them and the disciples sit down and he teaches them. That's the act of compassion in that moment. Jesus was not only moved by compassion, but he also wanted his disciples to learn how to be compassionate as well. And so he modeled that ministry for all of them. Which brings us to the pastoral letters. Because in the pastoral letters, they attribute compassion as a work of the Holy Spirit 
In certain lists in the, in the um, New Testament, it's a fruit of the Spirit. It is evidence. It's the outward and visible sign of God's grace working in and through you, that ministry, the ministry of compassion. The Apostle Peter, he decides to pick up on this. He writes a circular letter to a group of churches that are out in what's called the Diaspora. These are Jewish Christians who are living outside of Jerusalem and Judea. They find themselves in the broader world. He sends them a letter to instruct them. And so this letter is passed from Pontus to Galatia to Cappadocia, Asia, and around to Bithynia. And in this letter, he says to them, love one another, be humble, be sympathetic with each other, and be compassionate with one another. That was supposed to be their witness. That was supposed to be their witness to each other. But Peter also says that it should be part of their public witness as well, that it might even cause them to suffer because of their righteous acts and how others outside the community might see and perceive them. Peter says that it's better for you to suffer for doing good than for you to suffer for doing evil. Right? He encourages them to suffer for being compassionate. I want to ask you a question. How many of us see suffering in the world around us? And how many of us have pity for those who are suffering? I mean, if it's a value for us here internally, and we're good at showing compassion with one another, how holistic are we at showing compassion beyond the church? I ask you this question because I'm convinced that compassion isn't just a ministry for a few. It's the ministry of all of us, the body of Christ. It is something all of us participate in here and beyond, if we will see the world around us, if we'll lift our heads. Albert Einstein is quoted as saying, a human being is part of the whole called by us universe, a part limited in time and space. We each experience self, our thoughts and feelings, as something separate from all the rest, a kind of optical delusion of our consciousness. This delusion is a kind of prison for us. It restricts us to our personal desires and our affection for a few persons nearest to us. Einstein goes on to say that our task is to be free, to free ourselves from this prison by widening our circle of compassion to embrace all living creatures and the whole nature of God's beauty. If you think of it, Einstein, Jesus, and the Apostle Peter are instructing us to look up and see others that are around us. To figure out how to break that cycle of our internal myopic view, our focus on ourselves and only our own needs, so that we might see the needs of others who are around us. To be able to practice the ministry of compassion, we have to see those who are around us. Which means we have to be something a little different than maybe what we are. There's a, an author, a, a, a behavioral scientist by the name of Steve Maraboli. He's described as an electrifying and life-changing motivational speaker, kind of like myself. <laughs> he wrote a book titled Life, the Truth, and Being Free. And I want to quote a, a small section of the book for you. He says, Dare to be. When a new day begins, dare to smile gratefully. When there is darkness, dare to be the first to shine a light. When there is injustice, dare to be the first to condemn it. 
When something seems difficult, dare to do it anyway. When life beats you down, dare to fight back. When there seems to be no hope, dare to find some. When you're feeling tired, dare to keep going. When times are tough, dare to be tougher. When love hurts, dare to love again. When someone is hurting, dare to help them heal. When another is lost, dare to help them find the way. When a friend falls, dare to be the first to extend a hand. When you cross paths with another, dare to make them smile. When you feel great, dare to help someone else feel great too. When the day has ended, dare to feel as you've done your best. Dare to be the best you can at all times. Dare to be. I'm just going to say this plainly. I am sick and tired of the divisive culture in which we live. I'm tired of the rhetoric. I'm tired of the angst, the anxiety, all those things that come along with it. To the point where I just don't want to watch TV, listen to the radio, read the newspaper, even pull up my news feed on my phone or on my internet. I'm tired of watching all of it and listening to it. right? And yet, we hold a value And that value is compassion. And it is a value that is supposed to be able to expand beyond us, where we're supposed to lift up our heads and see the world around us and dare to be different than the world that's around us. Dare to be compassionate. I wonder what would happen if we would dare to be compassionate each and every day in our lives. If that was the main ethos, the main characteristic that came out of each and every one of us. Instead of arguing with someone about politics, what if we dared to talk with them about the things that we hold in common and believe in and love? Instead of making time for just our own needs, our wants and our desires, what if we dared to intentionally make time to do something good for someone else, to go down to the serve the kids at Hope Leadership Academy or at Baby Grace? Instead of buying something we really don't need, what if we dared to simply give that money to the United Methodist Church in Puerto Rico? What if we dared to be something a little bit different? What if we dared to be compassionate? Compassionate with one another, compassionate in the world. I think it's time for us to dare to be compassionate. And that for, for that to be our first response in most, if not all, circumstances. So here's what I think God might be asking of each one of us today as we think about this and as we wrestle with it and and challenge and and think about tomorrow and the week to come. I I certainly think that we continue the practice and the ministry of compassion with one another. I don't ever see that going away or fading as a community of faith. It is something that we already live into as a wonderful value, as a community. And to think that it is part of all of our ministry together. It's not a, a small group, as I said, others. Not one person or just a few people. It's all of our ministry And the moments where we have the opportunity to be a people who respond to them. I was in a a safety meeting the other day and the the phrase was said that when an emergency happens, you don't assume that someone else will call 911. You call yourself, right? It's the same way with compassion, friends. If you see someone in need, respond yourself. Don't assume someone else is. It's all of us' ministry. But also for us to lift our heads and see the world around us, and to excel at being compassionate in the world. For 
I believe that when we go to places like Hope Leadership Academy and Baby Grace, when we give to mission efforts like Puerto Rico, when we do all that we can together, when we see the world and we respond with with compassion, then we respond with the compassion of our Christ. Will you pray with me? Merciful God, in this moment, we are most thankful for your compassion for each one of us. We know, O God, that in your great love, you have come to be one of us, that you took on flesh and bone, that you dwelt among us as a human being who experienced the fullness of our lives temptation, hunger. We face the emotions that we face of despair, anger, love. Saw the beauty of your own creation, walked upon it. Saw how we humans can sometimes be good to one another. Most of the time, not so good. Yet in your Son, you had compassion for us. And through the power of the Spirit, you have gifted every single one of us. You have drawn us together as a community to be the body of Christ. You have gifted us for the ministry of compassion. It's a value that we hold dearly as a church. Lord, we hear your your summons, your call, to think about what it means for us to be a people who not only share compassion with one another, but but a people that lift their heads and see the world and see the opportunities to be compassionate in our interactions there. So Lord, use us. Use us to share not only your love, your good news, but use us to share your compassion with all. And we pray this in Christ.